Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am here with my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, how are you this week? You know, I'm going to pat myself on the back just a little bit. Okay. I told y'all Debo was good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been on that train ever since you told me about him. No, Debo's really good. If the the 49ers had hung hung on, he would have... uh, he really would have had a chance of winning the uh, MVP. MVP for the Super Bowl as a rook- as a rookie. Yeah, I told y'all he was good. Yeah, not just a homer. No, he's not all the time at least. He's really good. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is what that told me was for everybody that was talking about Kiki being traded to uh, to San Francisco. I mean, there's just there's just no way. Debo is the slot for the next ten years in San Francisco. So um, he can he's He's so good. If we would have taken him last year in the second round, I would have been totally happy. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. So this week, we're going to do um, a bit of a longer podcast. We're going to do a 2019 Texans year in review, go over the season. Not just the season, but we're also going to go back to the offseason, talk a little bit about what we did, the additions, the players that left. Um and then go through that entire process. We'll go through the schedule. It's kind of interesting the fact that the Texans actually released a, literally a 2019 season in review video today, which was really good, narrated by Mark Vandermeer. So um, if you're interested, go watch it. Uh, and then we are going to break down a little bit of free agency. I don't want to say we're going to get into all of it because there is a lot to get into in free agency, but we'll talk about some of the players that me and John are interested in um, and bringing in and just kind of talk about where we're at cap wise and stuff like that. Uh, before we get into that, uh, the, Oh, the draft event. Yeah. Uh, so John will be in Vegas for a work thing. So if you guys are in Vegas for the draft, hit up John on Twitter or, uh, hit up uh, Houston FV pod on Twitter. John runs that account and, um, let him know you're going to be there for those that aren't going to be there. Uh, exciting news today. Um, I know for a fact one Texans player will be there, um, but I have reached out to uh, two agent buddies. Um, not, I, I guess I'll say who um, I'm targeting, uh, Duke Johnson and Lonnie Johnson. Um, nothing is uh, confirmed for those two. Uh, one other player is confirmed. Um, they said that they think that there's a good chance at least one of them will be able to be there. I'm not going to tell you who, and I'm probably not going to say what players are going to be there on the flyer or when we push it. Uh, you guys can either come fuck with us, whether there's players there or not, but I can tell you that at least one will be. Uh, I'm also working on a couple other things. Uh, I'm going to be locking down the venue here in the next couple days. Uh, this should be a really, really big, really cool event. There is no day two draft event for the actual Texans organization. They always do one for uh, day one, round one. Uh, this year they won't be. So it's on a Friday night. We'll be in Houston, or I'll be in Houston. John will be in Vegas. And it's just kind of the way it worked out with the schedules just because of John actually being there 
for work and then I started to put this together not thinking that John would actually be in Vegas during the draft because I just thought that that was a long shot but it just happened to be the week that we <laughs> were going to do this is when John happened to be there so I didn't check with John because I didn't think that he doesn't go out of town very often so I was like okay there's a really good chance that he's going to be here but that's not the case so uh, kind of sucks. Pretty cool for work. I'm actually going to be at the Bellagio, so I'll be right there for the first round when they're having the little floaty boat thing stage. Should that should be fun. Um, and then day two, when the when it gets around to our turn to pick, um, I should be out of my work function. And I, anybody that's in Vegas, I'm going to be going around trying to get stuff for our Instagram, stuff for our face, or whatever Facebook. We don't really facebook so who cares about that but trying to get some social media stuff and if i run into anybody i'll get a video or whatnot of y'all to put up on the website that we do now have that is awesome so Which, i'll try and do some yes. fun things and try and take advantage of being there um i'm actually devastated after james has told me more and more about this event but i have to go for work or i would have actually thought about canceling my my vegas trip during the draft, because I think this event's going to be so cool, but I, I can't. I have to go to work. Yeah, this draft event's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm really putting a lot of... Uh, it, the the last event we did was good, but it was thrown together in like four weeks. This one, I got plenty of time. Um, I got people on board that I didn't expect to have on board. Uh, shout out to Brian Hayes uh, for, for, for helping us with this. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be really fun. I think while you're there, ultimately, if I could switch positions with you, I actually would. Because you're the introvert and I'm the extrovert. So if I was actually in Vegas during the draft, I would do what I could to meet as many uh, agents and players that I could to network and expand our growth. While you'll be there um, watching people get drafted and chilling with Robin, enjoying the views of Vegas. Uh, I would have left Jackie at the hotel. So, um, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, this event's going to be cool. Hey, real quick, the website is up. It went live last week. Um, it is a beautiful website. It is extremely nice. It's well put together. Shout out to Cody Alder. Shout out to Sputnik, a.k.a. Cody. Uh, he's been on the show before. Um, he did something that people don't have to do, and really he messes with us and appreciates what we do, so he put together a website for us for free. I can't... Thank you enough for what you've done. And me and John are extremely appreciative. We look forward to putting together um, some stuff to put on the website. Um, I'm going to try to do some scouting stuff since you guys really like when I talk about players. So I'm going to start doing some of that stuff. I'm thinking I'm going to um, kind of take all of the big boards, put them together, and then look at what players are going to be available in the second and third round. And that'll probably be where I target um, so yeah, that I'm actually working on a piece right now, just a little, little tip on how the title of it is how, I, why I believe Deshaun Watson could be the Kobe Bryant that Houston has never had. Um, so I have a lot going on on it. I still need to figure out how I'm going to put it together, but I think, you know, the, the whole premise is Houston has never really had a player of that magnitude. Um, that's had an impact like that. We've had great stars. We've had Akeem Olajuwon. Um, you know, J.J. Watt, we've had great baseball players, but at the end of the day, this is a football city, and if we had a star like that, somebody that really just, you know, 
what it was to be Houston and was able to deliver a championship and things like that. I, I just think that Deshaun would be on a whole nother level than compared to anybody else that we've had. So um, thinking about that. So, and then John, eventually I'm hoping we'll start to put his writing down and onto a website because John is very, very good at those things. He's much better at those things than I am. I can't even spell. Um, but John's also crazy busy. All right, let's hop into the podcast, John. Um, all right, 2019 season in review. This was a this was a crazy, crazy off season. Um, lots of fireworks, lots of different things happening. Uh, players walking that shouldn't have walked, uh, things like that. Uh, so we start. We we're coming off a 21 to zero blowout in the wild card round against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Deshaun Watson had his worst game as a pro. Blah, blah, blah. End of the 2018 season. Enter the 2019 season. So free agency, Houston Texans. I want to uh, stop you right there. Yep. Just real quick, because we never really kind of put it in comparison. How would you have rather the season ended? Last year with us getting just stomped by the Colts at home? Or this year, which is still too painful for me to speak about? Well, I think that, I mean, you, you win a game further, right? So... I think all everybody would probably take the playoff win over not advancing in the playoffs. So I, I would take, unfortunately, as hard as that game was, um, it did have some, you know, the, like I said, the peaks and valleys. Um, the, the peaks were peaks, and they were ultimate peaks. But then the valleys were true death valley. Um, but, um, but I mean, it was it was fun, right, for a little bit. Uh, but I would I would still take. I mean, we. If you um, just ended that game after the first quarter, that's probably the happiest I've ever been as a Texans fan. Uh, dude, I, I, I hope. There was, no, there, there was no feeling like that after the Colts game at all. No. I hope I get to feel that again. I hope I get to feel what I felt in the first quarter of that game because that was just a feeling that I've, I've never felt. I mean, that was, man, that was, that was a feeling. That felt so good. So, and I think we will. I, I, I do. I believe we will. But, um. All right, so we enter the offseason or free agency. We're expected to have a total of $70 million to play with. Um, at the time, we were third in cap space behind the Colts and the Jets. Uh, Texans had some of their own current players that were about to hit free safety, Tyron Matthew and both safeties, uh, Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson. Uh, Brian Gain decided to focus specifically on Tyron Matthew, put all the eggs in the Honey Badger basket, Looking back on the year that Tyron Matthew had, you know, maybe maybe that was the right decision. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew had a much bigger impact on the Kansas City Chiefs than Kareem Jackson had on the Denver Broncos. Uh, I know in Texans' eyes, if you just look at the game that Kareem played against us, that's probably impossible because he was all over the field when he played us. But well, you also got to put into perspective that what the the records for each team were and if Kareem Jackson doesn't get suspended at the end of the year and the Broncos were a legitimate playoff team, then it's then, then the decision either way. I mean, it's a closer decision. Um, I think Kareem Jackson still had a great, great year for the Broncos. I still think it was a mistake that we weren't able to retain either one of them. I would agree. The, our defense this year, if we retain either one of them or both of them with all the other pieces that they have added, I mean, we're we're in a better spot. We are. We also don't go get Hargreaves if we still have Honey Badger. We may still go get him if we um, 
we don't have if we had Kareem. We have Kareem. But either way they would have been a either player would have been a huge upgrade to our secondary. And we kinda saw last year at times where our secondary was able to lift the game of below average corners. I mean honestly, Sharice Wright there was not a single corner on our roster at the end of the year this year that I would pick Sharice Wright over, and he started the playoff game for us. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, I think the one thing that we need to take into consideration is the fact that, I mean, Tyron Matthew, while through the first six weeks with the Chiefs struggled, uh, once he understood the system and they let him be him, he, he really did have a very, very good year. And – you know, it makes you question kind of the coaching staff and how things are being done here. And we've seen, and obviously there's been a change since then, but, uh, you know, if we had that Tyron Matthew, I, I, I don't I don't know if you can compare which one you would rather have. I think you would rather have Tyron Matthew if we had that one. I mean, yeah, that, and that play that I, everybody I talked remember. about after the Texans game where he took away two different reads <laughs> and then was able to... Uh, get after, I think it was Deshaun Watson or a running back. I forgot, but I think it was Deshaun. That was just an incredible play that you really don't see safeties make. I mean, he took away the middle of the field read, the right side of the field read, and then was able to get to Deshaun. But that's that's a freak play, a freak play. Well, we kind of talked about it as almost like a negative with Tyron. He's better when he doesn't have to cover. Right. If you're asking him to cover, then that's, you're, he's exposed, even though he's always asked to play a lot of slot coverage, and part of that's just because he doesn't mind hitting people. But once the once the Kansas City Chiefs cornerbacks took a, a step up in their playing, and they were relying on him in coverage as much, and they were saying, "Hey, Tyron, don't don't cover, just go make stuff happen." That's when he that's when he started to play really really well for them. If you cannot tell me that once we had added Conley, um, once Roby was healthy. Even hard, even if we did sign Hargreaves, at that point, Tyron Matthew wouldn't have to cover. He would get to go make stuff happen. And I talked about it before we had signed Tyron. If we could have him out there as just like a heat-seeking missile. This was two years ago, season in review, when we had our wish list. Tyron Matthew was actually on my wish list right after he got cut. And we never able, we were never able to use him properly. Like That's a, a definitive statement. We never got the chance to use him properly because of our weaknesses and other personnel, specifically at corner, where this year when we were not necessarily better at corner, but more athletic at corner, we would have been able to use him. And he would have been a much more beloved player, I think, than he ended up being in Houston if he had gotten to play with these corners. Fair. Uh Bit of a tangent on Kareem and Tyron. Uh, obviously, both a little, you know, still feel a certain way. Um, but I know we're not going to be able to do yeah. that too much, John, because we have a whole season to get through. So just FYI, <laughs> if we don't want to be doing well, recording until 2 in the morning. Too, because this is what's going to make this podcast fun, because we all lived this season. Yeah. So we got to kind of bring stuff in. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right. So free agency, uh, both... Uh, Honey Badger uh, left, or Honey Badger and Cream Jackson left. Cream Jackson left without even actually receiving a phone call from the Texans front office. To me, that's really the biggest part about this um, that bothered me the most. It wasn't necessarily I that. I hope that was on uh, Gaines' exit interview. Um, how do you not give Cream a call? 
Yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about it before. He's been here nine years. Okay. The least he, the least that he should get is a phone call saying, we appreciate what you did, but we will be turning our focus somewhere else in free agency. Um, thank you so much for everything you did for the organization. We're moving in a different direction. That's all it would take. It's, it, it's really not hard. It's anybody that's managed people should know that that's how it should have been handled. Uh, all right. So both of them leave. They sign pretty good deals. Tyron Matthew, I think it's like $14 million a year. Uh, Cream Jackson ends up getting $11 million or $11 million a year. Good for both of them. Whatever. All right. So then rumors started the turn. Texans were in on every big free agent that was available in the offseason. Every single one. Le'Veon Bell. Right guard Roger Saffold, tackle Trent Brown. Those were the three big names coming into free agency that everybody in the media was talking about. That was the guy. Those were the guys. And Texans were in on all of them. There were rumors tied to every single player. And the Texans struck out on all of them. Now, looking back on it, um, I'm glad we didn't sign Le'Veon Bell. I know at the beginning of the season, you were all about it. At the beginning of the offseason, you thought that Le'Veon Bell could be a game changer for this team. Uh, I, and I still him, think he could yeah. be. I still think he could have been. He could have been a difference maker. I mean, he's a hell of a pass protector. Um, he, he's a hell of a running back. I mean, that offensive line in New York is about as bad as what the Texans' offensive line was last year. Last year, I still, with that team and the way it was constructed and not knowing what we know now, yeah, I'd, I stand by that statement completely that if we had gone out and they halfway through last year and traded for Le'Veon Bell instead of Marius Thomas, didn't like the idea of paying him. I hate the idea of paying running backs, but now after watching us have Duke Johnson for a year and criminally, not criminally underusing him, but we still underused him. You know what? It's probably a very good thing that I'm not GM of the uh, Texans and I didn't spend any assets on Le'Veon Bell. Well, and then and I didn't break this down in, in when I was writing, but at the trade deadline, there were also rumors associated with us wanting to trade for Le'Veon Bell. So Bill O'Brien has a hard-on for Le'Veon Bell. Um, Bill O'Brien thinks Le'Veon Bell is a very, very good running back. And he's right. He is a very, very good running back. The difference is nowadays in the NFL, you just don't pay running backs. Yeah, it's just not the way it works. You can find him anywhere, plug and play. Prime example, Carlos Hyde, trade Martinez Rankins for uh, a running back that's going to be cut in Kansas City. And look what you get. You get a 1,000-yard rusher. So, um, But the Texans walked away with none of those stars, and they ended up uh, signing cornerback uh, Bradley Roby uh, to a one-year prove-it deal, $10 million. Tight end Darren Fells, one-year, $1.5 million. Quarterback Breon Body Calhoun, one-year deal. Safety to Sean Gibson, three-year, 22.5. And backup quarterback A.J. McCarron. Now, at this time last year, when the te when Texans fans were looking at the free agent signings of the Texans front office, I think the most exciting one was cornerback Bradley Roby because it was a quarterback that we were or cornerback that we were paying over ten we were paying ten million dollars a year was somewhat of a big name and quarterback. Everybody knows how I feel about Bradley Roby. Um, I think Bradley Roby's I think Bradley Roby is a cut below the top tier corners in the league. And I don't even think we saw that from him last year in full. Uh, but we saw it at times. Uh, Darren Fells, I think everybody was kind of like, oh, blocking tight end. We now have a blocking tight end. And he became a lot more than that. 
Uh, Breon Batty Calhoun ended up getting cut. Uh, Tashawn Gibson was a good signing for us when he played. Uh, and he was pretty healthy throughout the season, just not when we needed him. I still believe to this day if Deshaun Gibson would have played in the Kansas City game, this game would have been a lot different. Um, and I think we would have ended up winning that game. Uh, A.J. McCarron? I mean, solid, right? Like, I mean, he basically beat the Titans <laughs> in, in the first half. So uh, that was against a first-team Titans team. So uh, That made it to the AFC Championship. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, go figure. But, I mean, the story of our free agency was we ended up with our second choice with everybody. And the only one that actually kind of worked out was Roby. Uh, we wanted Barrett. Gibson worked out. Out of, Sandy, out of, of, well, I mean, Gibson possibly worked out, but we would have rather, would you have rather had Matthew Jackson? I would have rather had Gibson over Matthew. But at the time... When this at happened, time. at the time when this happened, I would have rather had Kareem over Gibson. How, how, it all, how it all ended up. Yeah, no, I would have rather had Tyron. Well, right, you we, know, would we have gotten the same and, Tyron I mean, that KC got, though? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> possibly. But it's, essentially, we ended up with second, third, fourth choices out of every single free agency that, free agent that we went at. And if you kind of look at the front office, shakeup that's probably a big big reason why we swung and missed on every major free agent that we went after yep. um every ones that we landed were all second or third choices and of those like you get you get grace if somebody works out multiple ones work out but really the only one that worked out better was us ending up with roby instead of Brett. yeah no i agree i i agree 100 percent uh looking back on it i would have rather had either cream or T- tyron over to sean gibson um, and at the time, we were both still on the Kareem bandwagon. We would have rather had Kareem over over Tashawn Gibson. Um, but and yeah, you're right. The biggest Tashaun point. Gibson had ended up being our third safety. That would have been great. Yeah, uh, but you're right. The biggest thing to take away from free agency wasn't the fact that, of who we signed. It was the fact of who we missed out on, because uh, we were in on all of them, um, and we missed. And that happened the year prior too. So. It, it, it was a trend of being able to not grab the top tier free agents that we were looking to. That could have been difference makers for us, right? I mean, when you look at free agency, it, free agency is used to fill the holes prior to the draft. And that's when you start to adapt your draft plan. If you're able to add a tackle, then maybe you don't take Titus Howard or you do and he's the right tackle or whatever it would be. All those things play a part. So when you're not able to land those certain players, you end up using draft stock to be able to grab the players you need at each position. So when people looked at Titus Howard as a grab or a reach or a reach in the first round, we all know now that that really wasn't a reach. But that's what happens: is you end up reaching on a position of need because you were not able to hit in free agency. So in free agent, that, that's pretty much a wrap up of free agency. Let's get into the draft now. The draft for me. Uh, I, I, I still find this draft class extremely, I think this was a very good draft. I think this is year two, uh, of Brian Gaines, pretty solid draft, uh, still, you know, it's funny because pro football focus put us as the third worst draft class. Well, but, and, and here's part that, see, this is the problem I have with like pro football focus. Um, when you look at like, let's say tight end Kahali wearing, 
that was mic- that was built into the mix of their analytics, but he didn't play, right? So I'm sure that hurt the drafts, you know, the draft rating. Right. But at the end of the well, day, like I, when I look at what he is potentially, we don't know. I mean, we had three well, very good tight ends. Up so you could kind of get in and explain the draft class. Because if you just look at um, PFF, you would say, oh, the Texans draft sucks. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, there's a story behind every single one of them. Yep. So, and we'll get into it. There you go. Yep. Good. I wish I would have. I wish I would have seen that lob, but I, I clean capelled it, and I wasn't able to finish. Um, I'm gonna have to send you to Atlanta. Oh, not Atlanta. Um, all right. So with the draft, uh, let's kind of get into. So the year prior, um, Brian Gaines entered the 2018 draft with no first or second due to the Deshaun Watson trade and the Brock Osweiler move. Ended up walking away with really good players still. Uh, both tight ends, Jordan Ankins, Jordan Thomas, and ended up with wide receiver Kiki Cutie. Well, we'll get into his production later on. Outside linebacker Duke Echafor, who has shown flashes, uh, and Peter Columbay. So given what he had, uh, I think that there were pretty high expectations given that he had all of his draft picks available entering the draft. Uh, we, we considered the 2018 draft, me and you, a, a very successful draft given what Brian Gaines had to work with. Landing Justin Reed in the third round, at this point still probably would have been the first safety taken if we go back in the 2018 NFL draft. So fans were really excited. They had Brian Gaines had all the picks to work with, and he didn't disappoint. In the first round, the Texans ended up taking tackle Titus Howard out of Alabama State. Titus Howard, um, a considered a project developmental tackle. Uh, the, the biggest issue with this pick at the time was the fact that uh, Washington State tackle Andre Dillard was on the board. The pick prior, Philadelphia moved in, took Andre Dillard, and fans were just irate. Everybody was upset. Everybody already crowned him as a Hall of Fame tackle, Andre Dillard, and couldn't understand. And this is the funniest. This is the funniest shit about me. And like when it comes to like fans, you'll see people on Twitter. Say, I had a second-round grade on a guy. Now, that's great. I'm glad that you're, like, doing scouting. You're watching players' tape. You're That's great. I'm glad that you're doing that. But your second-round grade really doesn't matter in this situation as the Texans had a first-round grade on Titus Howard. And guess what? The other teams did, too. There's a reason why he had, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, but he had the most pre-draft visits out of all the tackles in the 2019 draft class. That has to speak volumes to how he is regarded in the league. 32 other front offices thought it's a really good idea to bring him in. We had kind of spoken about it during the draft, and it's part of the reason why he looked so much like a project tackle. He is built, and his, um, like his shuffle scores, like his agility scores and all that, are everything that is ideal pretty much perfect to be a tackle. Like if you check through all the checklists and do all the check boxes, he hits them all except for big game experience. He just didn't play up against other big players. Part of playing at Alabama State is his competition was just, they were smaller guys. 
he wasn't playing up against a 310 pounder that can run a 4-8 or whatever it is some of these defensive ends and defensive tackles out of the SEC camp. And so he got docked. However, the things that you can't coach, like size and speed, he had. Yeah. Yeah, no, he had. And there were a couple draft scouts that had him as a compa- compared to Dwayne Brown as the tackle that they would compare Titus Howard to. And when you look at his frame and his build, he's very similar to Dwayne Brown. So, you know, I don't know why there was such an uproar, but there was. There was a huge uproar. Anyways, we'll get into Titus Howard later on in the season. Second round pick, we had two of those. Uh, pick 54, they were back-to-back. Uh, we took cornerback Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky, 6'3". Uh, if you guys listened to the pre-draft po- podcast that we did in 2019, I was very high on Lonnie Johnson. Uh, I spoke to Lonnie Johnson's agent today, actually, as he is one of the people that we are uh, targeting for the draft event. And when I talked to him, this is how I, I told him, I was like, yeah, if you go back and listen, I was really high on him, extremely high, really wanted us to take him. And he goes, oh, really? He said, yeah, uh, you know, I really liked his game. I was like, he is a developmental guy. He's a guy that has the tools, but just doesn't know how to fully use the tools yet. He goes, it's so funny. He's like, that's literally what I tell Lonnie every day is he has ev- all the tools you want on a, out of a cornerback, but he just hasn't had the experience yet to be able to utilize all the tools. Lonnie had an up-and-down year. He had, he had times where he was down, and he had really some really high times um, on special teams and coverage. I mean, the Kansas City game, the first, first, game of the se- or first time we played Kansas City this year, very physical with Travis Kelsey. Um, I, think he only lim- I think he limited him like two catches in the second half. He had a hell of a game. Lonnie Johnson is a future cornerback for the Houston Texans. It's truly what I believe. Uh, anything on Lonnie before we get at to... Worst, at worst, he's a future safety. Uh, so, I it's, mean, he, it's funny. At, you, at worst, future safety. He's it, got the size to do it. Yep. Uh, but he's got the attitude to do it. He's got the tenacity. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's, you know, I didn't want to poke too much with it, but... Uh, I wanted to bring that up today when I was talking to his agent, but he, uh, I mean, he's got the size and the build to play safety. Um, he kind of reminds me of Kareem and the way he plays and the way he tackles. Um, so yeah, he could potentially, he could be playing opposite of Justin Reed in the future. Um, I like Lonnie. We saw, we saw what we wanted to see from Lonnie in preseason in green Bay. We, we saw exactly what we were looking for. A dog, a guy that just, was going to compete no matter what and was going to play as hard as he could play. And I, I think you can say that he did that throughout the season too. Um, so I'm like, Part of me still wonders the, what his attitude would have been like. If he didn't start a fight down in green Bay. What do you mean? Cause he did. Cause he apparently chilled out a little bit after that. Oh, really? He had not chilled out. Yeah. The, the way his agent described him was the nicest guy off the field that you'll ever meet. But on the field, this guy just turns it up to a completely different notch and plays at a high level, and that's the only way he knows how to play is hard and fast. Um, all right, then second-round pick, pick 55, right after Lonnie Johnson. Another total miss by Brian Gaines and uh, Bill O'Brien. They take Max Sharping tackle out of Northern Illinois. Now, you're, everybody at the time is like, why are we taking these developmental tackles out of small schools. Can't believe we did that. Well, because when you look at Max Sharping build, and me and John talked about it right after the fact that he was drafted, was he's probably going to move to guard. He's built like a guard. That's where he should play. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he plays. Come to find out, he ends up playing guard for the entire season and is really good at it. Really good at it, considering he's never played guard. So um, I like the pick. I still like the pick. All it did is solidify the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, if anything, he ran out a little, he ran out of steam a little bit towards the end of the year. As most rookies do. Anything. But he's a rookie. I mean, that's to be expected. For him to play as many snaps, and his play as well as he did all all year as a rookie at guard, it, there's nothing you can complain about with that pick. He's going to be on that offensive line for years to come. Yep, I agree. I agree 100%. All right, third-round pick, pick 86, tight end Kahali wearing San Diego State. Now, this was the sexy pick. Not like a sexy pick in, like, draft value. This wasn't the pick where you're like, this guy's automatically going to be successful. This was, let's take this really, really big in shape water polo captain out of San Diego state who when you throw on the tape is just a wrecking ball when he catches the ball and let's see what he can do. Now, unfortunately we weren't able to see it this season. A lot of that had to do with the fact that we had Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas and Darren Fells. Um, I don't blame them. I think we called red shirt year for, for him at after like the first two weeks of training camp once Darren Fells started to put it back together. So, um, I mean, you can't have four tight ends on the team. It's just not the way it works. And we're yet to see what he's capable of doing, but I like the potential of him. Yeah, no doubt. He's that guy that, again, all the uh, the physical check marks, but we have no idea. Uh, we said it when, um, what was his name, Jarrell Adams, um, when Darren Fells, when they were just showing out during – during training camp, it's like, watch out. As soon as uh, Kahali Warren stubs his toes, he's going to go on the IR. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, I don't remember what happened with Jarrell Adams. I know he got signed. Did he end up having any production this season? I stopped following him. No, he he didn't. He he got cut, bounced around a little bit like he always does. Um, yeah. Unfortunate. He, he had a great preseason. He didn't stick on anybody's team. And I, that's one of those that I think that if the Texans had um, cut him, you're in roster cut down, somebody would have picked him up and integrated him in. But we've kind of talked about how difficult it is to play tight end, especially when you go from team to team. you got to learn how to be both a blocker and a pass catcher. So it's really, really hard for a guy to be picked up midseason and contribute at tight end. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, fifth round, pick 161. This was a, a, a huge pick at the time. I still think it, eventually it will, it will turn out to be a great pick. Uh, but defensive end Charles Menehue out of Texas, obviously being a Texas boy, uh, lots of Texas fans in Houston uh, and the surrounding cities. Um, I think that, oh, <laughs> uh, Swan and Patrick, what up? Uh, great season for the Texans indeed. Um, I think with Charles Menehue, it's just about development. Um, you know, he wasn't a first round pick for a reason. There's my cat making a cameo, by the way. Um, I think with him, though, he showed flashes. He showed the ability to be able to finish, which for me is what you want to see. If you can see anything out of a rookie defensive end, it's the ability to finish. And we saw it multiple times. Those long arms really came into play on you know forced fumbles and being able to put his hands on the quarterback. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about the future for him. My only concern with... Charles Menehue moving forward is the fact that I hope they don't 
think that because they have Charles, that they don't need to go defensive end. That's my only concern. Not saying that they will, but if that's the process, if that's a thought process going into free agency and the draft is we, we have Charles opposite of JJ. He was a rookie last year. He showed flashes. We can build on that going into this season. Um, that's a concern of mine. You know, uh, actually, part of me is concerned that this is what's going to potentially happen. We're not going to spend money on free agency because they're going to look at a Minihu, they're going to look at Edge of Four, and they're going to look at Martin and go, you know, we can build a rotation on that. And when you say it out loud, you can build a rotation on that. You can if JJ plays every game. Here's the, here's the rub on that. JJ's not going to play every game. No, he's not. But I do think that he will play. I do think that he will play um, quite a bit. Welcome back. Yeah, I don't know what, what the hell happened there. Um, I, I think you can't count on. You just can't. You can't count on J.J. like that. And, and it's not because he's not great. It's because if you do, you're doing him a disservice. Get the man some freaking help. Like, let him let him have somebody opposite that can take on two blockers. Let J.J. lean on somebody else just a little bit, especially if you want to extend his, his career. This guy's gone through so much shit that you would hope that they see, hey, this guy, what was it, what was it, John? Because you'll know this, you're a stat guy. Like, before he got injured the second time, what were his snap counts? Wasn't it higher than, like, any defensive end in the league running for, like, five years straight or something stupid like that? Yes. It, um, J.J., for he had the most or the highest percentage of snaps played for any defensive player for that entire five-year run that he went on. And then after he first came back from that growing in- injury um, that he suffered against the Chiefs when they tried to do, you know, J.J. Yeah. Wattcat. After that, that season when he came back, they, they ramped him right back up, same way, yeah. um, which led to him hurting his back. Add that to the fact that the way he worked out prior to getting hurt, pretty much all high-intensity workouts. Um, I don't know. I just I, I really hope that they realize like we should we should build on this and just give JJ the ability to have somebody else on the defensive line. We're we're going on a tangent though, so let's stick to it. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, and it's I'm just gonna finish that off real quick with when JJ played this year, JJ was JJ. JJ yep. was absolutely dominant. So let's get him some help. Let him be a rotation. Let him be able to take some time off here in the season. Because here's the thing. We were actually containing the Chiefs until J.J. ran out of steam. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I toughened up, and I kind of did a rewatch. And once J.J. started to huff and puff, that's when their offense started to take off. Well, and to be honest, though, like it's hard not to huff and puff when you're just like – Three and out, three and out, punt, three and out, three and out, punt. You know, like, and you're just on the field having to deal with such an explosive offense from the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I don't know what else you could have expected. Um, but, yeah, no, to be fair, I agree with you 100%. And we saw, we still saw in, in the in the wild card game the impact that J.J. can have. Not just from a sack perspective, but just the building, right? Uh, people were saying that that was 
just as loud as it was when he got his pick six, pick six in, in uh, Cincinnati. So J, JJ's a game changer in all sorts of ways, but get some, get the man some freaking help. Oh God. Oh, I'm not doing that right now, Pat. I'm not doing that. Uh, I get, I get too much hate for JJ and being critical of JJ. Um, all right. So next pick, six round pick, uh, 195 cornerback Xavier Crawford out of central Michigan. Um, I missed on this. I, I really, I liked Xavier Crawford. I like what he brought. I liked his size. I like the way he was built. I like the speed. Kind of is what it is. <laughs> I mean, can't hit them all. Is he on anybody's roster right now? No. Make a, a no. <laughs> Which is crazy because oh. he is a six round pick and he's a rookie. So you would think that he would make at least a practice squad or something like that. Uh, I'm going to, Pat, I'm going to put this up there just so people can know what, what you're talking about. So in the YouTube comments, Pat says, bold prestriction, even though he meant prediction. Had to do that since you mentioned JJ. JJ uh, Watt doesn't finish the 2020 season as a Texan. That's bold. That's bold. I, I can't, I critique the golden child all the time. Uh, and then Swan gets on to me for critiquing uh, Deshaun, so... Um, you guys are here though, so we must be doing something right. Um, all right, so yeah, Xavier Crawford got cut. We'll move on. Uh, seventh round pick, uh, 220, fullback Colin Gillespie out of Texas A&M. Um, outside of him being an Aggie, which is always an issue for me, um, he, he, I don't, we didn't see a lot from him, but what we did see were developments. We saw him get used towards the latter part of the season. Uh, without him, uh, we wouldn't have gotten past the uh, Buffalo Bills with some key blocks on a Deshaun Watson touchdown. Um, I mean, Colin Gillespie, well, is he Kyle Ustek? check I don't know. Uh, he's a rookie. Uh, but I'm glad that we're him. Like similar to. Like, yeah. The right. ability to catch the ball, block. Good athlete. Now, is he going to be as good as check Probably not. But to profile similarly to him um, and to hopefully be used in a similar fashion, I mean, that could hopefully be nothing but a good thing. I mean, Gillespie, uh, you know, the only snaps he got to show all season, actually threw out some pretty good blocks and did a better job blocking than, than Jordan Akins did. So, yep. you know, maybe they'll actually use him in the H-back role a little bit more. Maybe they'll actually use a fullback next year. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so to, to kind of end the draft aspect, I think uh, the fans were disappointed. Uh, I think people that kind of knew football and were paying attention walked away from the draft thinking, okay, we addressed needs, we added players of value, uh, and we, we got players that could potentially help this team. Uh, I, I realize that no matter what, a fan base will never be happy unless you have seven first-round picks instead of seven picks altogether. Uh, the, the problem is you just don't have seven first-round picks. So... Uh, oh, we would still be upset if we had. Oh, for sure, sure. for sure. Because Bill O'Brien would like, let's, let's not even go there. We w- we would still be throwing it. <laughs> Bill O'Brien would have traded six of them to move up to number one, and everybody would have just freaked out. God, why we don't need a quarterback? I'm not taking a quarterback. I'm taking a wide receiver. Um. <laughs> all right. Uh. So then let's move on. The draft is over. We're going through training camp. Um, Roger Johnson and, or not Roger Johnson, I'm sorry. Central Henderson's getting blasted. Matt Khalil's getting blasted on the, on the ends. Uh, there's lots to talk about how bad the offensive line is. Blah, blah, blah. Deontay Foreman gets cut. Uh, that was a big deal, I guess. Coming off a torn Achilles. 
But the big news came on June 7th when Cal McNair shocked the NFL world by firing general manager Brian Gaines. I think that's that's like, when I look at the 2019 season and off season, I look back at that news and I remember what, you know, what we were doing. We ended up doing an Instagram live and uh, it was a big deal. Everyone was freaking out. We became the Jets. We became the Browns. Uh, can't believe that we did that. Such a disorganized franchise. Uh, they have no vision into what they want to do, how they want to be successful, how they're going to build their team, blah, 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 blah. How can you fire your general manager after the draft and free agency? Well, it's because you need your general manager during the draft and free agency. You don't really need them during the season. For some reason, people couldn't grasp that concept that it's really not that big of a deal. The time that we let them go, it was just the fact that we let them go, I think, for everybody else was, was the problem. Especially after hearing alignment talk. Uh, through the combine and through the draft and free agency about Bill O'Brien and Brian Gaines and how they're aligned. And it ends up being that their philosophies weren't aligned. Um, I think now we have a much clearer picture as to um, kind of what happened between the two with Brian Gaines and Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien, and we, we kind of mentioned it earlier, is Bill O'Brien was looking to be a little bit more aggressive in free agency. Uh, you know, missing out on... Those three top free agents was an issue. And I really think that that's what it boiled down to was just the fact that we weren't able to get the guys that we were targeting. Um, mainly, if I had to guess, probably Roger Saffold. I think that was probably the the free agent that they looked at and said, we lost him to Tennessee and they didn't sign him for a bunch of money and he would have been an impact guy immediately. If I had to guess, that was probably the one that really started to to, to rub Bill O'Brien the wrong way. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Sean? I'm, I'm in agreement. I don't know if it was Saffold specifically. But based, we've talked about it before. We talked about it when they moved on from Rick Smith. When you listen to some of Bill O'Brien's press conferences, there's guys that he just does not want to lose, and we would lose them. Yeah. So when they came to the power struggle, I think that's what it came about. Um, Bill O'Brien lost another one of his guys, and then there's a free agent that they that he targeted and they miss out on. I just think that it it was just one of those where he was getting tired of losing out on it, and it's a critique that that Lynch um, had when he took over the 49ers, and they actually used Uschek as an example. Was Lynch way overplayed, overpaid? get used check on the Niners to take him from Baltimore. And they were saying it was the mark of a rookie GM that didn't know what he was doing. It was he had identified players and he would do whatever it took to get that player instead of trying to find something comparable. Now, looking at how the four Niners are starting to shake out is maybe that's not necessarily the, the wrong mindset because when you're always looking for somebody that is comparable, there may not be anybody out there that's comparable. So maybe you shouldn't worry about losing to a guy, losing out on a free agent over a couple of million dollars, especially when you're on a rookie quarterback contract. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Juszczyk had two touchdowns right in the Super Bowl. Um, one and an inch away from his second. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, so that, uh, you know, and then people were starting to say that it's because we let Philadelphia trade in front of us to get Andre Dillard. Um, you know, you could find a bunch of different reasons as to why it potentially happened. Uh, at the end of the day, 
Here's why it happened. Bill O'Brien wanted to construct his team the way that he wants it fit, and he's tired of the bullshit of having GMs in place that are not able to get him the players he wants and is not doing it. At the end of the day, I think that's literally all it's about. I have a roster, I have an idea, and I have a plan, and for me to execute said plan, I need a GM that can come in and do exactly what I need them to do for me to be able to do that. And the main reason why I say that is because when you look at what happened after Brian Gain left, you see... Trader Bill come in and just do everything he can to get the players he needs to be able to be to fill a competitive roster and a competitive team. Now, before we get into the trades, uh, let's get into the Nick Casario stuff because that has to be talked about. Uh, so Nick Casario was um, Texans wanted to hire Nick Casario as a general manager. Um, they were unable to do so. They had tampering charges pressed against them or filed against them. Uh, by the uh, New England Patriots. Two days later, we get a statement saying that we're no longer pursuing Nick Casario uh, as general manager. We are going to act as a front office committee, and that'll be kind of what we do. So Texans move on. Preseason begins. That's when things start to pick up a little bit. So fast forward to preseason. Uh, a lot of the questions around them, around the team, was how will they protect Deshaun Watson? Uh, did they fix the secondary? What will they do with Jadavian Clowney, who at that time was franchise tagged by Brian Gaines on March 4th? Uh, he had no intent in signing the franchise tag until two weeks prior to the week, prior to week one. Um, Bill O'Brien was not happy with JD not wanting to come to practice. I don't understand the mindset of that, as most players don't want to get hurt on a franchise tag year, is what it is. Uh, Lamar Miller ends up, what he, he tore his ACL, right? Yep. Yeah. Tore his ACL. ACL uh, against the uh, Cowboys first or second play of the game. Um, it was Davenport, Julian Davenport's responsibility to pick up a blocker completely whiffed and Lamar Miller got rushed. By the way, just, just so you know that Miami Dolphins are really excited about Julian Davenport. Of so, course they are. We fooled ourselves into being excited for him for I, a year. I wasn't necessarily excited, but I thought that he showed at times that he could he could play the game. But then you know he'd become a turnstile. But then I I look back at our coaching of our offensive line, and I still don't I still don't understand how Mike Devlin has it has a has a uh, a job here in Houston. But you know I guess when you trade two first round picks for a left tackle and draft two starting linemen. You know, whatever. Uh, anyways, so uh, Lamar Miller tears his ACL. Everybody starts to freak out. Boom, Duke Johnson. Bang. Uh, Trader Bill starts, the, starts what he shows that he will do, and he traded a fourth-round pick, conditional third, for Duke Johnson to Cleveland. Uh, ended up being if he uh, started, right? Started 10 games. Uh, no, played 10 games. I think he just needed to suit up. If he suited up for 10 games, it became a third-round pick. He ended up playing every game. We gave up a third-round pick. Duke Johnson had a good year. We'll get into that a little bit later. So now with Duke um, and, God, what were the name of our off uh, Karan Higdon and Darian Crockett, Taiwan Jones. Those are the four, right? I think you named them all. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Lamar uh, Miller, Deontay Foreman, cut. Uh, Karen Higdon. Yep. 
Crockett. Yep, Demaria Crockett. And Jones. Okay. Yep. And then we add Duke Johnson to the to the team, and awesome. Everybody's excited. We see that Trader Bill is starting to get get to work a little bit on this roster that he wants to construct. Uh, now the talk is all about Jadavian Clowney. Now, it's a year later. Well, not a year, but it's a season later. Um, I'm still hurt by the trade. But I'm still hurt by the trade because of how everything went down, just like last year. It's not necessarily that we traded Jadavian Clowney. It's the fact of how things were handled that got to the point to where we were able to get a minimum return on Jadavian Clowney. If Brian Gaines and Bill O'Brien were aligned, there's a good chance that we would have been able to either trade him at the draft or as soon as we franchise tagged him, traded him to another team that could have worked out a long-term deal, gotten much more back, at least a first. We would have at least gotten a first. I think it's totally fair. Based off what we saw, Frank Clark, D Ford, I think for Jadavian Clowney is better than D Ford. He, they got a second for him. I think we would have gotten a first. But because of the situation between Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien, we were not able to maximize the value of Jadavian Clowney and ended up having to ship him out. So fast forward through the preseason, uh, the biggest injury coming out was Lamar Miller. Outside of that, we were a pretty healthy team. Then Saturday comes before our opening game against... Uh, we're about 10 days away from the opening game against the uh, New Orleans Saints in week one. And boom, Twitter just goes ballistic. Patrick Storm starts. Hey, Jadavian Clowney may be shipped off to Miami. Boom, that doesn't end up happening. Jadavian gets a sniff, says, F y'all, I'm not going to Miami. I won't sign my tender. Then Trader Bill works out with uh, works a deal out with the Miami Dolphins to send a uh, two first round picks, a third or a second, second. Uh, it was a second. Third. No second. It was two first and a second because we got Kenny Stills. Oh no 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 no. Then oh, we got back a fifth. Yeah. yeah yeah. So we traded the Miami Dolphins two first round picks and a second round pick for and uh, Julian Davenport in return for. Franchise tackle Lermy Tunsil and wide receiver Kenny Stills. If you looked at instant reaction Twitter, which is never fun to do, Texans got blasted for giving up so much draft uh, stock in in picks to be able to grab Lermy Tunsil. Me and Chan love the deal. I still love the deal. I think uh, I think we're starting to really see a trend in the NFL where draft picks are overvalued. Uh, I think you're seeing teams realize that if you can get a developed player that can immediately impact your team and not it not have to be a crapshoot, uh, you you do it. And we saw that. This was a trend. This was the beginning for us. We saw it with Duke, and we saw it with Lermy Tunsil, and then we saw it with other things. Um, and we traded for Lermy Tunsil and Kenny Stills, John. And now all of a sudden the offensive line looks like it could be much better. Yeah, it, I'm. I'm still supporting the move. Um, as upset as I still am over the Clowney move, even if you think that Martin will end up being a good player, I am just as happy with how the Tunsil deal worked out. Two first rounders, 
and a second rounder. And you got to get Tunsil signed, but we that's going to happen. Granted, he's going to be the highest paid offensive lineman ever, but it's still it was still the move. And Stills Stills is a very very good receiver. Very good. So again, you nailed it. Um, I'm a firm believer right now, partly because of how long we have to talk about the draft. Um, we're now in draft season, where we've got nothing to really talk about except the draft, NFL free agency. While it's interesting, but teams aren't really built to win around free agency. And it's so quick. Uh, yeah. And so the draft gets a lot more spotlight put on it. it a bigger deal is made out of it. And those draft picks become more valuable because of it. But then you look back at so many, there's so many messes in the draft. So many messes. Either trade your picks and get players that you know are going to contribute right away or trade four picks so you can draft redundantly and get three or four guys with the hope that one of them works out. That's the way to go. I mean, that's how both the Patriots have built their teams. That's how the Seahawks have built their teams. And in the opposite direction, look at the reason the Rams were able to build a team so quickly was they actually invested in I – don't, I don't think they have a first-round pick to like 2025. Granted, this year they didn't get where they wanted to be, but, I mean, honestly, wouldn't we trade all that to get one year in the Super Bowl to get that chance? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think when it comes I think when it comes to certain positions in the NFL uh, draft, I think there's positions that you value that are worth you taking, you know, the gamble on, right? If you're in need of a quarterback and you have a top 10 pick and your quarterback's there, take your quarterback. If there's a stout defensive lineman, that, you know, Chase Young, uh, Nick Bosa, those type of players, um, you don't trade out, you don't trade those picks, you grab the, the, the guaranteed guys. And typically, like the top five, sometimes, in, depending on the draft, top 10, you're, you're pretty good. There's no reason for you to really trade those picks. You're going to get a guy, you're going to get the fifth year option. It all makes sense. Beyond that, it really becomes a crapshoot. And at that time, you know, given what we did, uh, in the offseason, missing in, in free agency, and then also adding Titus Howard and then Max Sharping, who we knew wasn't going to be a tackle, you knew that there was still one hole on the left side of your uh, on the left side of your uh, offensive line. Look, you're not going to. We've seen this team draft tackles. Uh, we just shipped one out to Miami for a trade for Lermy Tunsil. This team has not been very good at being able to draft tackles, and just so everybody understands, a lot of teams aren't very good at drafting tackles. It's, it's a very, like, five years ago, we talked about how short or, like, how, the lack of quarterbacks in this league, okay? Now we're seeing that there's almost every team in the NFL has an answer at quarterback or think they have an answer at quarterback. It's, it's, it's not as rare anymore to not have a quarterback. But what is still ultimately rare is not having a left tackle or right tackle. There's just a short of them. So if you give up two first-round picks to get a sure thing, and that's what we got was, you know, a top-five left tackle... You do it. And, yeah, he's going to get paid, and he's probably going to make $20 million a year. He's going to reset the market. But that's what you pay those guys. And I still think the deal was a great deal. All right, so now fast forward. We think Saturday's over. We all win, right? We get our guy. And then, boom, the Seattle news drops. Jadavian Clowney is shipped out to Seattle for a third-round pick, Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo. At the time, we're all like, really? This this is what we're getting in return. You didn't want Jadavian Clowney on the team 
that bad that you that badly that you literally set him out for nothing. Um, I still think I still look at the trade now and I'm like, sure, Jacob Martin has some, you know, potential. Uh, and you know, we ended up trading that third round pick for a cornerback, Gary and Conley, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, I think Gary and Conley is huge. I, I really think Gary and Conley's got a very, very bright future with this team, but we could have made that trade still and kept Jadavian Clowney. And that's the problem I have considering this team literally had zero pass rush all year. Watching JJ run out of gas against the Chiefs. If we have, if we have Clowney and we've stayed, still traded for Conley, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. And Martin, I mean, Martin, Martin flashed. Had, yeah, but Jacob Martin had some great, great plays. Yep. He flashed the times. I'm not sure what he provided against the Bills. I'm not sure you have had to beat the Bills in a different way without him. Um, however, it did. I mean, it just trading Clowney this year, while it made sense in some regards, maybe, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way that it wasn't just an emotional response. Really did weaken the, us this year. Like he, honestly, if you looked at the end of the year, it's the one piece we needed to get us over the hump and to kind of survive against a team like the Chiefs was a player like Clowney. And, you know, we had Clowney, and we gave him away for pennies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really the biggest thing is just given what this team's needs were at the time. Um Look, I get it. Like, I, I was the one that said I expect Clowney to rip it up in Seattle playing in a 4-3. Uh, I was wrong. He didn't. You know, he had games, right? That Philadelphia game. Boy, oh, boy. That was a, that was a game. But uh, at the end of the day, like, it just wasn't consistent enough. And that's always been Clowney's issue. Um, but I still think that we would have gotten more production now out of – or now I think that we would have gotten more production out of him if he would have been on our team – utilizing him the way that we've utilized him for the last four years, five years. Um, but is what it is. I, I, I don't like the trade still. As right now, we would be in a position to potentially recoup a first-round pick um, for next year or this year if we had Clowney and was able to franchise him and send him to a team that could uh, sign him to a long-term we contract. Could, we could have refranchised him, still traded him, and Somebody got more him. out of it. Yeah. And still opened up all I mean, we had so much cap room. We had flexibility. Yep. And I just I to this day it still doesn't make sense to me. Other than them trying to save real life cash. Um Texans Cap kinda of talked about it where we always talk about theoretical budgets and not actual budgets. And he talked about during the season maybe the Texans were cash poor. For whatever reason, which to me doesn't make sense. I don't understand how an NFL team can be cash poor. But if so, then McNair's need to sell the team because that's just gross mismanagement. Yeah, I think the the biggest issue is just the with this whole situation is just the the lack of whether it's communication or um, execution between Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien. You know, it sounds like Brian Gain, he talked about wanting to sign Clowney. You know, Bill O'Brien sounds like he didn't want to sign Clowney. They offered him a contract last year, didn't meet the expectation. So, kind of is what it is. All right, so we're past the offseason. We make the big trades. The team is impacted. 
in a very, very well, uh, good way. We add to the team, we add the wide receiver that we need prior to, you know, or just in case Will Fuller gets hurt in Kenny Stills. And, you know, we enter week one against the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football, and it was a hell of a game. I mean, we had a great event that night, so that was fun. That definitely made it even even better, right, was being able to be with you guys uh, in the community that we build. That's so cool, right? Um, but the game itself was amazing. I don't think anybody expected this game to be as good as it was. Not, not one person in, in the world expected this Texans team to show up the way they did on Monday Night Football in New Orleans. Offense was clicking. Defense was defense in the first half was stellar. Um, and then Aaron Colvin happened. Right? Like, we look back. We look back. Like, uh, Swan keeps, when, when I'm talking to Swan, she keeps like, uh, or, or even you, she mentioned it to you. Like, I was pissed off about the Carolina game. She was pissed off about the Denver game. If we would have won the Saints game, we would have had a bye. One play away. One, one play literally away. one play. We we would have had a bye. It was the one game that we really had a shot at winning. And we didn't. Because Aaron Colvin didn't know how to properly line up and prevent. Or where the first down marker is. Or where the field goal is going to be. Like, really? That's why we lost? It's such a Texans way to lose, dude. Or just not touch the guy and let the clock run out. Yeah, we talked about that, but he gave himself up. Remember? Yeah, there was arguments over that. But if Coven was playing smart, he would have just stood in front of him and made the ref call the, call the whistle after he realized the guy caught the ball. Because when he made the play on the guy, the guy had caught the ball. I mean. Well, Colvin had a safety over him. So if Colvin would have just stood in the one spot that he wasn't supposed to catch it and not move at all and let him run past him, we would have won the game. Uh, yeah. It was a rough game. But it was There's so fun. Why he got cut. Yeah, there's I know Bill, I know Bill O'Brien got trashed by national media for cutting him right after the game, but he really deserved it. I, yeah. Colvin really deserved it. I agree 100%. I think that um, that was a stupid, stupid play. Um, the fact that he wasn't coached properly, whatever, we'll get over that. but Or we won't get over it, but it is what it is. All right, so we end up losing. Wow. Start what? Wow. What? The Cardinals are going to release David Johnson. Yeah, he's washed. Wow, I mean, I'll sign him to to league minimum, but he's he's he he's looked washed, uh, and he's a guy with the ball in his hands. He's not going to fit this team. Anyways, we'll hey, get that it. Was the, free agents. Remember, well, I mean, free agency part, just got part, more interesting. That kind of bring this up is remember um, the uh, the leak out on what was it? Oh, shoot, why can't I think of the website? Actually, I don't want to think of the website because I don't want to give them um, coverage, but. Apparently, there was this big argument that instead of drafting Xavier, no, it wasn't Xavier. It was a third-round pick that, oh, was it Jalen Strong? Well, regardless, Bill O'Brien overruled one of our scouts on picking up David Johnson, whatever year that draft was. That was the year Jalen Strong was drafted. Was it Strong? Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was the reason – that that scout went out and told, oh, it was Walter football. Walter football, all these backstory or these backstory issues about uh, 
Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith and how Bill O'Brien's just been doing whatever he wants since he's been there. And that was the example that he gave. So I love David Johnson. I, I, I was I thought he was going to be the best running back in the league two years ago. Um, obviously, not last season, but the season before, their offensive line was garbage, and they had a defensive head coach. Um, but I expected yeah, once this year happened with Cliff, I was like, okay, this will maybe be the year, and then we just didn't see enough out of him. I'm sure he'll sign a, a decent deal, but he'll get another shot. Uh, he's an athletic freak, and his speed is a freaking killer. So, and he's I mean, he's strong. He's very strong. So, all right. Uh, so move on to week two, uh, Texans versus Jaguars. Uh, that was a just a weird game, just a really really weird game. Um, I don't know why I can't pull up last season's schedule. I don't know where it went. Um, Jaguars at Texans. Um, then I'm looking at it right now. All right, so the Texans Jaguars game that was a that was an interesting game. We uh, ended up winning. The, the offense didn't show up. Defense did show up, uh, which is great. You want to see the defense show up after the week that we just had against the Saints and, and gave up a bunch of points in the second half and then lost because of Aaron Colvin. Justin Reed, basically, in the last 42 seconds, the Jags drive, score a touchdown. They're down one. Um, Doug Marone decides to go for two. Gardner Minshew hands it to Leonard Fournette, and Justin Reed stands him up on the right before he hits the goal line, and Texans win by stopping a two-point conversion. That was the beginning of the uh, Minshew mania. Uh, it was, well, not the beginning. It was like week. It started it. Yeah, that, that was because he came in um, after the first quarter. In the Chiefs game. Uh, in the Chiefs game. And then he played us, and granted, he looked better at the end of the Chiefs game. And then against us, he looked horrible, horrible, horrible until the end of the game where we kind of discovered that we were going to have issues with um, slightly mobile quarterback. And he just kept dodging our non-existent pass rush other than J.J., and you were pissed off at J.J. because J.J. wasn't finishing. But they drive, they made a game out of it, and then we were able to stop him on the goal line. Yeah, so Texans end up beating the Jags, uh, thirteen to twelve. The Texans would then travel to the West Coast to for a home game against the Los Angeles Chargers, um, and that was the game where the offense picked up right where it left off against um, New Orleans. That was the game where Aikens took the God. It was like a sixty sixty yard slant route into the end zone, right? Yeah, that was the game. Yeah, that was an amazing yeah. play. I was watching it at the airport. I love Jordan Akins. Big fan. Best. Um, Jordan Akins, yeah, he had that yeah. huge play. Uh, Deshaun threw for three touchdowns. Yeah, that was the game that we kind of turned. We The first half was it. And then the second half, all of a sudden, we look like a team that could literally beat anybody. So, kind of showed that the Texans against passive passive defenses were able to light them up. Aggressive offenses, as we'll kind of talk about when we get to the Carolina, 
aggressive defenses still gave us fits, but when they were a passive defense, uh, Deshaun could just absolutely go town on us. Granted, I did quote at halftime or tweet at halftime that we look like crap working away from the scheme. And I was very, very wrong because the second half was a, was a lot better. Yeah. So uh, Texans leave uh, Los Angeles with the W27 and 20. Then we get to me. The most disappointing game of the season for me was against the Carolina Panthers and Kyle Allen, who at the time um, came off a great game the week prior. Um, and, you know, I did a bunch of interviews on other podcasts and radio shows and for the Panthers. And I ended up putting my foot in my mouth saying that we would destroy them because I expected us to destroy them. And, well, that's not what happened. That defense just destroyed us, really. This um, is the game where Deshaun started to get that narrative that that he was distracted at home. This is that game that started all that. Yeah, no, this is this is the game that he stayed after. Remember, he stayed with Quincy Avery. Yep. They were uh, they were throwing on the field for a while. Um, you know, uh, Aaron or Brian Smith or Aaron Wilson caught him after. It was a big deal. This was also the the game where, or the press conference where Deshaun went viral for breaking down the Carolina Panthers defense. Um, and yeah, we lost this game. I mean, they got after Deshaun extremely quick, extremely tough. This this was the game where I, I didn't expect to lose in the manner that we did. Um, but kind of is what it is. All right, John's wanting me to wrap up. John, what, you want to break this up into? Yeah, let's do this as a series. We can do, because um, we kept going on these tangents, so we can continue to do so, whereas I feel as though we're an hour and 15 in now that we'll cut out the tangents and we still may end up having a two-hour episode. Okay. All right, are we wrapping whereas up the if pod? We, if we do this over, if we do this, finish off the season, and then we can do like a next episode. Next episode, we finish off the season and kind of talk about what happened right at the end of the, the off season, and it's kind of a multi-part episode, multi-part series. So here's what we'll do: we'll wrap up the we'll wrap up the season and postseason next week, as we're going to have to get into free agency soon, and we can't do multi-parts too long. So next week we'll wrap up the rest of the season. We'll pick up with the Chiefs and finish the season at that point, and then. The following week, we'll get into the free agency because we should have a better understanding of some of the things that we want to know about free agency at that time, too. So, all right, John, what else you got then? Uh, just if you're listening to it as a, as a podcast, next week, try to watch us on YouTube. We can uh, we can put your questions up on the screen. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, it adds a little bit to it. And... That's all I've got. Yeah. Shout out to the listeners. Uh, shout out to uh, people on YouTube. Thank you for watching. Uh, we will be back next week on our regular time. Will we do a Monday night regular time next week? Yeah, we should do regular time. Um, we'll probably shoot to broadcast, I would say, at 9 o'clock because we actually got more traffic by starting at 9 o'clock instead of our usual 8.30. So we'll try and see if that works again. Word. If you're okay with it. Yep, that works. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. Next week, we will wrap up our season in review for the 2019 Houston Texans. 
week after that, we'll hop into free agency and get started. So uh, make sure you follow us on all of our platforms. The outro will take care of that. And I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.